Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Let's look together to the Word of God. We're going to look in uh, Acts, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 16 here together. We looked at chapter 14, and we'll do that in just a minute. But uh, this morning, you know, we're finishing up, we're wrapping up the year of invitation. This is week three, and uh, we, we talked about God's invitation that He provided to us as He talked about Christ and, and offering that righteousness to us. Then we also looked a little bit about hearing the gospel and how significant it is for us to be able to tell people about the gospel, not just hope that somehow they assimilate this message uh, that we have by seeing how we live. Now, hopefully we can live as people of integrity, integrity where we're at, but on top of that, we know that they must hear. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, He said, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And in verse 17, he goes on to say, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ or the word of God. So we we need to be a people with a plan. Uh, We need to be people with a plan, a plan to go, a plan to take the good news to others. It's important that we are those kind of people. Uh, Have you ever had a plan to do something? Uh, You know, we all will tend to make some kinds of plans. Maybe your plan was to go on vacation. And maybe as you decided, hey... Uh, we're going to have a lifetime vacation. We're going we're gonna to set up on our, our big vacation is going to be going to the Bahamas, right? So, so every week you, you get your paycheck, whatever, you, you put a little cash down trying to save up so you can go to your lifetime trip. And for some, you say, no, I've already been there. Maybe you're going to set up for something else. But uh, everybody has different things they like to do. But, but uh, maybe you're a person say, you know what, I'm not going for a vacation like that. I- I'm just going to do something like uh, buy TV. And that may be your thing. May- maybe you can't do the vacation. Back in the late 90s, after I got back from West Africa, and I was living down uh, south of Dallas, uh, and I remember uh, that uh, one evening I was pulled the news up, and the news, they had a special event taking place. They were going to this man's house, who was going to buy the first plasma, t- plasma screen TV. This is like 97 or 8, something like that. And so they had been out a little bit, and they had designed them, but now they're put them out in the public. And so this guy evidently decided he wanted to lay down some cash on the TV because he paid somewhere around $15,000 for the thing. I guess he likes... Oh, I don't know what he likes. Well, anyhow, that's, that's a lot of money. I don't think I would put down 15 grand on a TV. Uh, but this guy, that's what he was doing. That's what his plan was. He wanted the best of the best. If I remember right, I think it was on like Channel 5 down there. And, and even once he got it hooked up, he didn't have the greatest the signal, you know. He just paid 15 grand. Okay, crazy. Okay, so when it comes to our spiritual lives, though, We need to have a plan. We need to be able to have a focus, and we need to be intentional, especially when it comes to sharing the good news of Christ in this community that we live in, 
And as a local church, we need to be intentional just as we find people in the early church. They were intentional about what they did. So what, what does going look like for us? What does going look like? You know, Jesus told us, he told the apostles and the other disciples after he had been raised, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. The command of the Lord, it's not the great suggestion, it's a command that the Lord gave us. And so let's look at what it looked like for Jesus' followers in the, in the first century. There's some, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and some others here this morning. And uh, the first thing we see that Paul was a man with a plan. He was a man with a plan. He was not an aimless wanderer. And sometimes I think people think for some reason that Paul was aimless, and because of this, they, they do likewise. And, and the problem ends, ends up being that they don't become a spiritual force in their community. And uh, it, it, they won't settle down and allow God to work in them where they're at. We have to have a plan and let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. So we can do both, and sometimes Paul's plans worked out, other times they didn't work out very well, but God always causes things to work for good. Now we see that Paul went on several ministry journeys or missionary journeys, he went on several of these and the, as scripture shows us, and, and he was sharing Christ when he was on these, sharing the gospel, and also he would go back into those same places and towns after many had come to faith, and he would encourage the new believers and help them. And the ministry journeys of Paul reveal an extraordinary combination of strategic planning on Paul's part and the church and the sensitivity to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in his life. And it was through that that he worked out those simple details. And uh, this is especially noticeable over here in Acts chapter 16. That he revisits the churches at Derby and Lystra and Iconium and Pisidian Antioch, which is the other, uh, the other Antioch. But, but Paul evidently expected to follow this highway called the Via Sebaste. And, and uh, west, he was going to go west to an important uh, coastal city on the, one of the Roman provinces. It was Ephesus. And was, was hoping to go over there where, uh, where, it was, uh, where Asia was at, where it was considered. But but the scripture here tells us that he was kept from going there by the Holy Spirit and from entering Asia. So let's look at what Paul says in Acts chapter 16. Uh, actually, Luke is writing, and he says this in verse 4. It should be on the screen. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So we find here that over in chapter 15, there was a council that takes place, and, and so their plan was to go and to take this information out to the churches. And, and he goes on here, it says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, which is modern central Turkey today. And uh, he goes on to say, having been kept by the, uh, by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, which is part of modern western Turkey today. Then he, uh, verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. 
but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So we see that Bithynia is a region also in modern northwestern Turkey, and Missy is a region right near Bithynia there in the west. Uh, you say, wow, the geography kind of gives you an idea of what's happening here. And Paul and uh, his ministry team were under direction from the elders of Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. They, they were simply attempting to make, take the decision that was made over in Acts 15 and to, from their council and to bring it out to all the followers of Jesus and the churches throughout all these regions. And so that's what they were doing. It was really important that they take the information to all the new churches. And Acts chapter 15, verse 22 and 23 says this, should be on the screen. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, not the Judas, the other Judas, but Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. Verse 23, uh, with them they sent the following letter. And then he quotes the letter that they had sent out from their decision uh, that they made. And, and they were, these guys were on church business. They were out there to try to help people while they were doing their regular duties. The Lord decided that they needed to make a change in their plans. So it doesn't mean that what they were doing was unimportant, but there was a spiritual need that evidently cropped up, and God felt that he needed to move them to another direction. It seemed like that the Lord was carefully redirecting them. And uh, the, we see that, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them preach in Asia. Uh, verse 7 says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go to Bithynia, so uh, the, the Bible doesn't really tell us exactly how the Holy Spirit uh, kept them from preaching the gospel in this place or even why. He doesn't really, we understand the context here, but Paul's team was headed out to preach and to deliver those letters, uh, but things must not have seemed right in their heart. Something must not appeared right to them. And it may have been that they sensed in their hearts that they shouldn't go that direction. I don't know. The scripture doesn't really tell us there. It could have been that they had a prophetic message when they were praying or spending some time together. We don't know. It doesn't say. But it could have been that it wasn't good timing for them to preach in those locations. We really don't know. It may have been the Lord preparing them for this vision that was coming about and going to be provided for the Apostle Paul so he would more clearly know uh, what he is to do. And we see in verse that, verses 8 and 10, we'll look at it in just a minute. But there's something that, uh, that we know about Paul. The time he had, he used to be able to share his faith with others around him. And he also used that time that he had to be able to grow in his faith and to become strong in the Lord. We see him studying and, and preparing himself. That's evident throughout the epistles, the letters that are written that we have today that we call the Scripture or the Bible. All right, why don't you imagine with me that uh, you, you have a bank and that your bank credited your account every morning $86,000. Every morning they put it in your account. I think most of us would be just a little bit happy, right? And so they, they provide this money for you, but the thing is, is that balance doesn't carry over to the next day, 
Uh, you cannot keep any cash on hand beyond what's there for that time. And then by the end of the day, uh, they're going to cancel out any money. You left 20000 in there, by 5 o'clock, that money's gone. So you're left on your own at that point. But in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, there's $86,000 sitting there for you. Uh, what would you do? Uh, I think most of us would probably find a way to use that money. Maybe it's helping other people. Maybe it's taking care of our families and friends and those kind of things. I'm sure that we would find something to do with 86 grand. Somebody said amen. <laughs> okay, well, you do have such a bank. It may not be cash that you're provided. It may not be $86,000, but... Uh, that bank that you have or that account that you have is time. And it seems like every day we get 86,400 seconds available to us to use. And every night you lose whatever you don't invest in a good purpose. And we want to be able to take the time that we have on a regular basis to be able to invest it in a way that brings God, God glory. Its balances never carry over. There's no overdrafts. We can't draw on the next day's seconds, the next day's times, and each day it opens a new account, giving you another option uh, to run off 86,400 seconds. And if you fail to use the day's deposits, it's, you've lost it, but there's no going back. Now, Paul, we see this guy, the Apostle Paul, was not going to waste the time that he had. And I, and I think it's really important for us to remember, we talk about Paul, we talk about Peter, we talk about Barnabas and stuff, but there's a lot more people than just those guys. There's others, and if you find, and this, this isn't in the notes, but we're reading from some of the we passages where it's Paul and his team. There's a lot, he has some team members, and it's not all about Paul. Remember, even in one point that we read recently, we see the apostles Barnabas and Paul. Remember, it was Barnabas that got Paul going. Actually, Jesus did. But it was Barnabas that stuck there and helped him and discipled him to get him going. So Paul was not going to waste his time, and he was, not, he was going to use it for God's purpose. So let's look at how Paul's plan changes even more. But, but don't forget this. He did have a plan in the beginning, and that's what's important for us as followers of Jesus. Chapter 16, verse 8 says this. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So this was either a dream that God gave the Apostle Paul, or because uh, sometimes dreams were called visions, or it could have been an open, regular vision that God gave him to redirect him to another region. And from what the people said in the vision, it must have been pretty dramatic for Paul. It must have stuck out in his mind, and he couldn't get away from it. He had to have known that this thing was from God. It wasn't just that he ate pizza the night before and didn't feel too good. This, this was, a, was either a dream or a vision, but God was doing something here. And If you'll notice, the Bible even says that this Macedonian guy... Uh, who was asking for help, was begging Paul to help. He was begging him to help. 
How many people are out there in our world begging to hear the good news of Jesus? And they may not say it the way we would say it, but in their hearts are crying out for hope, for meaning, for life. Let's take a short break here and look at what happened to Philip over in Acts chapter 8. And uh, we'll get back to Paul in just a little bit. But with Philip, we see in verse 26 to 31, it says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way to meet a... To, and, On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the candidate. And so he goes on and says, this man had gone uh, gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. He's reading the Old Testament. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. And heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Then in verse 34, it says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. God had opened an opportunity for him to be able to share faith with this man. This guy was an important official, uh, an Ethiopian official, and there God opens this door. So what did going look like for Philip? Well, even, even Philip took the opportunity that God gave him to be able to share the good news of Jesus to someone else, and it was perfect timing. Going for Philip was very simple. It was really very simple. All he had to do was walk down the road and then hang out near the Ethiopian, uh, v, uh, the Ethiopian's vehicle and not get ran over, right? And if, if he didn't get run over, then he was able to interact with the guy. And when the door opened, he walked in and he told him about Jesus. That's what we do. That's really just what we do as well. It's a great opportunity. Philip didn't even seem to always work that way. He didn't. If you go back in the early part of Acts 8, it uh, wasn't the same way. He, he left where he was at. He left his post because persecution had broke out, and he's probably hightailing it out of there to be able to get away from some of that, and then he's preaching the gospel as he goes along. But here now, God says, no, I want you to go here specifically. And God gives him some very specific instructions, but that didn't happen to Paul, really. We, didn't, we don't see it there with him. Now, let's, let's get back with Paul for just a bit. Paul acted on a new direction that God gave him. He still had a plan, uh, but he, it was just different because God had redirected him. And this also doesn't mean that he was, what he was going to do uh, was uh, less than important because we know that the elders and, and the apostles from Jerusalem had sent him out and the other guys had said, hey, get out here and take these letters back to the church as you've been to and started. So let's get back here to Acts 16, verse 10. It says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
Then in verse 11, he says, From Troas we put out to the sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Going to hang out there. Uh, they don't really have much direction from the Lord. They, basically, they left western Turkey and sailed to what's modern eastern Greece. And so they had started out in central Turkey. Now they get to the west. The Lord won't let them go to certain places. And then he says, okay, I need you to go somewhere else. And they have to get on a boat. I'm sure they had to pay. They had to get on the boat and go across and go to the land of Macedonia in eastern Greece. So this is what these guys are doing, and here, here's a short version of what happened. They made it to Macedonia, but it was, it was an open door, but not much different really than, than Philip's experience with the Ethiopians. The difference was, is that Paul didn't have specific direction from God as Philip did. See, if you look what happened in, in Acts 8, there was some specific direction that God gave Philip that he was supposed to do. And, and God kept do, doing that for him and giving him some more direction. But the thing is, is here for Paul, it wasn't quite that way. He just had the dream. He's supposed to go there. That's all he really knew, that he was supposed to go to Macedonia. They just stepped out in faith, trusting that God would guide them as they went. So, so I have somebody come to me in the early service and they say, you know what, this, uh, uh, in fact, this week, the, this week, the Lord opened a door for them to share with somebody. Uh, he was talking about his faith and, uh, and this person said that the other person was actually studying a false religion. It was like an open door. It was an open door right in front of him to be able to talk to them and that open door will likely stay there with him for a while. So we got to talk a little bit about that to give some ideas there, but see that he had to step out in faith. See, most of the time that Paul and others shared the gospel, they just did that. They stepped out in faith. Uh, even once when they went to Macedonia, they just stepped out in faith. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14 and 15 says this, one of those listening, they're out trying to find a place to pray. It says, one of those listing was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. We've talked about her in recent months. And she was a worship, worshiper of God. That just means that she hadn't heard the gospel yet. She believed in God to some level and understood Judaism at that time, but she had not heard what Jesus had done for her. And so the Lord has opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, the scripture says. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. Something good was happening in Macedonia. Uh, they, didn't, uh, they probably didn't expect it, well, this was going to happen to them, but this is what happened. And you can see in the situation that it was something like uh, another person we find in the New Testament who is Cornelius. He believed in God and even prayed, but he had not heard the good news about Jesus until Peter went to share a Christ with him. But in that one, we know that there was a lot more direction given to him, too, but not for Paul. He didn't get that opportunity. Sometimes people will say, hey, well, we need to pray for clarity. Sometimes we get the clarity. Sometimes we do not. 
Because sometimes it's like what happened here with Paul. Sometimes God wants us just to be able to step out in faith and trust him. Clarity or no clarity, we're going to serve the Lord. This guy knew about God, but that wasn't enough. He needed to uh, find out what Christ has done for him on the cross. He needed to trust in Christ so he could become a child of God. And uh, Cornelius needed more than his own righteousness. He needed the righteousness that only Jesus could provide for him through faith. It's the same for Lydia. Lydia and her family came to faith in Christ. And Paul's vision was worth it if that, they were the only ones that would have come to faith. But that wasn't the only case of redemption, was it? As you keep on looking, Paul and Silas continue telling people about Jesus in Macedonia. They keep rolling. They aren't going to let anything stop them. They didn't probably just say, oh, well, you know what? This is the reason that Jesus had us come here, so let's get out. Evidently, they didn't do that. They just kept on going And some great things happened there. In fact, Paul Paul and Silas did such great things, they got thrown in jail for it. (laughs) Because they saw somebody who was oppressed by a devil and and they delivered them. And once that happened, then uh, it was a slave girl and the owners of the slave girl had them thrown into prison over the deal. So there they are. And they start worshiping God, spending that personal time in worship. And what happens? But even the sheriff's deputy comes to faith in Christ. Because they see God's deliverance of Paul and Silas from that jail. And then Acts chapter 16 verse 34 tells us the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Here's another family that comes to faith in Christ there in Macedonia. So what does going look like for us this year? What does it look like for us? Each of us needs to be able to answer this as individuals. We have to do it on our own. We can't expect the person beside us to do it. We have to be able to do that and make that answer ourselves. We also need to answer this as a church body as well. But actually, this body is made up of individual followers of Jesus. So what we do as individual followers of Jesus really shows up as what we do as a church body. This is really important for us because... We find that when Jesus gave some of his final orders to the apostles in in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, he says this, Then they gathered around him the the resurrected Savior, that's Jesus, and asked, asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're concerned. Remember, if you, if you study back and, and knowing he's the Messiah, they're thinking, hey, that now must be the time to, to reestablish the kingdom because they were under occupation. And look at, you see what Jesus says. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. I think there's some people in modern times even now that maybe have missed that scripture and haven't read that for themselves. So when people start setting dates and times, I think you better come to this and recognize. Verse 8 says this, but 
He said, don't worry about that. And then he says in verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. He didn't say you would dance in the aisle. <laughs> he didn't say you would do cartwheels. I know that God may come upon our lives and work in us in different ways, but, and that's our response to him, and that's okay. But we understand that he says, but you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus here told the apostles, and he tells us today, don't worry about the times and dates, just tend to your business. Keep your focus to be witnesses at every level and in every place and every open door God gives you. Be able to step out in faith as the Lord gives you those opportunities. Start with your Jerusalem. Start with your community. Start where you're at. You say, well, I don't even live in Topeka. That's okay. Start where you're at. You say, well, I do live in Topeka. Start where you're at. Start where you're at. Start at your job. Respectfully, don't waste your employer's money. Right? Don't waste your employer's money by the, how you spend your time. Be respectful of them, but share the gospel. Keep your focus to be a witness every place you are at and step out in faith to share with others. When the Lord leads you to adjust your plans, let him guide you while you step out in faith. But you know, you can't adjust your plan <laughs> if you don't have a plan. Each and every one of us, we should have some kind of a spiritual plan. We should have some kind of a plan to go, some kind of a plan to be a disciple and to disciple others around us. Paul and the apostles started out with a plan. Part of our plan is to work at reaching the 90,000 within our city one person at a time. That's part of our plan. Not, not only this, but as a body, we must revisit something that I talked with you about last fall, and many of you are serving in an area of ministry now, and that's wonderful. If not, we always need ushers and greeters and such, and those who are willing to serve. But, but I have to be able to ask this again, who will you disciple this year? 2019, it's a year of invitation. Who will you disciple? Have you made connections with people in a life group or in services? It may be that you have connections from work or maybe a neighbor or next door neighbor or a friend, somebody that you've hung out with in life, but you really haven't had open doors uh, yet and maybe God's going to give some to you. Maybe you have to go uh, connect with somebody, go by buying a box of cookies and giving to them to do what you can do to engage them and to relate to them and to share your faith with them. As Peter said, do it with respect, right? As I said in the beginning, though, we need to be a people with a plan, a plan to go and take the good news to others around us. So what does going look like for us? Well, for each individual, it's going to be a little different. God gives each and every one of us different open doors. We work in different settings. We maybe do school in different settings. You know, so many different options. You, you, maybe you go buy the stuff at Dylan's, and you go buy stuff at Aldi's, and you go buy stuff here or there, and so your connection is there. I, I had somebody one time at Lowe's. 
and I, I get to talk to them about the Lord. They said, Are, uh, what, what church is that again? Because I was buying something for the church at the time, and it was an open door for me to invite that person. We take whatever opportunity we have to be able to share faith and encourage people to come. Who will you invite this year? Who's that one person? Or maybe we can say, I want to see a person come to faith in Christ this year. As you leave today, uh, the ushers are going to hand something to you. We have this, this envelope. As you see, on this side it's white. <laughs> on this side it is not. We have a seal on here, and on that it's a wax seal. And uh, that wax seal has a B on it. And that just simply means Boulevard for the Boulevard campus here at Topeka First. And uh, so Mission Hill has an M on theirs for, uh, for Mission Hill. But this serves as a reminder for each and every one of us that we need to offer an invitation to, to another person. Now, inside, if you open this and break the seal, well, there's nothing in there. <laughs> it's, it's an empty envelope. But hopefully it will serve as a reminder to each and every one of us. Maybe you can put it on your refrigerator if you put stuff on your refrigerator. And when you see it, when you go to get something out or a cabinet, maybe, maybe for some of you, you put it on the bathroom mirror. I don't know, maybe for some guys, uh, you put it on your, in your toolbox. For others, it, it, it may be at the, in the kitchen counter. I don't know, maybe on your Bible. I'm not sure where you'll need to put it, but the idea is that each and every one of us remember that we've been called to go. Somebody went to us, and they gave us hope. I'm thankful for the hope that Christ has given to me, and I'm sure that you are too. If you don't have that hope, that hope is available to you this morning, as you can look to Him as the one who can make you righteous. We don't stand on our own righteousness, do we? Would you stand with me? This morning our worship team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a final song. and We're going to worship the Lord. and Our prayer teams are going to come. If you need prayer this morning, for whatever reason, uh, please come. If, if you haven't made a, a confession of faith to serve the Lord, this is an opportunity for you as well. Maybe you need healing in your body. We'd love to pray with you this morning. But I want to challenge you. Make sure that you keep this as ushers pass this out to you at the end of the service today. Keep this to remind you that this is the year of invitation. He's given an invitation to us, but we have to give an invitation to others to have that same hope that he's provided. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you've given life to us. Father, where else can we go? Where else can we go to find life? There, there is no other place, Lord. But Father God, we come to you. And Father, I ask you that you would help each and every one. Help us all. Help me, Lord. Help us all to be witnesses of Christ in our community. Father, with those that we connect with, with those that may be friends of ours, those may not even be friends. But Father God, you've called us to be a witness of Christ. Father, I pray that you help us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.